Hi, I'm Valerie, and you're listening to The Beauty Brains. Hi, and welcome to The Beauty Brains, a show where real scientists answer your beauty questions and give you an insider's look at the beauty product industry. This is episode number 198. I'm your host, Valerie George, and joining me today is my co-host, Perry Romanowski. Hi, Perry. Hello, Valerie. Are you excited for today's show? I am. We've got lots of questions today. Are are you excited about the show? I am. We're going to do something a little different today. The audience knows how much I love audio questions. So today we're going to do a show featuring all questions by people who submitted them through audio. Oh, that is awesome. I love love to hear the audio questions. So what do we got on the show today? Today, we had a question about Lucas's pawpaw ointment. We'll see what that's about. What the heck does the term cosmeceutical mean? Does nail polish increase nail growth? What's the deal about copper peptides? And shikakai, does it belong in your hair? I don't <laughs> even know if like I said some... that right. <laughs> ah, uh, uh, well, we'll hear how it sounds on the audio. <laughs> well, hopefully they'll pronounce it correctly. So... I I do want to apologize in advance if you hear any background noise. I am home alone with my dogs. I don't know if um, everyone knows this, but my uh, one dog had cancer. He's doing much better uh, through treatment and surgery and stuff. And I I forgot how annoying he is when he feels his best. So (laughs) he's an absolute savage running around in the background. So. So every so often we'll hear the uh, nails clicking on the The nails there, clicking, right? him crying. Yeah, he's ultra needy today. Ah, well, that's all right. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure he'll sit and listen to our wonderful show. <laughs> and think, that's mommy. Yeah. I, I saw you had some snow in Chicago this week. Well, you know, we just had Halloween, which was lots of fun, Halloween. I did go to a Halloween uh, costume party, and I dressed up as a magician just so I could do these magic tricks that I always <laughs> It's so dorky, but I always <laughs> it enjoy is, it. It is, yeah. Yes, but here in Chicago, we had snow on Halloween, so now I have this big bucket of candy left that I was going to hand out, but now I've just been eating. So. Yeah, that's the way to do <laughs> it. Keep a bunch for yourself. In Los Angeles, we don't exactly have winter, but we have wildfire season, so that was in full effect this week, so I've been hiding a bit indoors. That's right. Do you do anything special for your skin to prevent the pollution from the wildfire? No. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll cut that out. <laughs> no, you don't have to. It's okay. Um, I, I mean, when people think of, uh, you know, skincare and, and big cities, they're thinking anti-pollution, protecting the skin with a film. Most people aren't thinking, is your city burning down? What kind of protection do you like, have for that? I mean, maybe that's a white space in the market and I could create my own line. I, I think there is an opportunity there. <laughs> oh, so sad. Uh, well, it is under control, and kudos to the Los Angeles Fire Department uh, for working so diligently to put it out. I It's it's a really rough time, and people did lose their homes, all joking aside. Uh, so hopefully um, they can have some assistance and get taken care of uh, this holiday season as we go into it. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I did want to make a correction from a few episodes ago where we were talking about sunscreen efficacy, 
And I did state uh, verbally on the podcast that in the United States, when they measure sunscreen efficacy, they take two grams per centimeter squared for a sunscreen application. And I did misspeak on the units. It's two milligrams per centimeter squared. Uh, ah. The reverse is a lot of product. And uh, so I do apologize. I, I wanted to thank our loyal listener for pointing that out. Uh, there is nothing new. That is the method. I just uh, made an error. It's it's really hard when we're when we're doing this and we're talking and our minds are so far ahead of our mouths. We do make you know mistakes from time to time, and we thank everyone for uh, letting us know when we do make them and don't catch them, so that we can make the correction. Yeah, we cover a lot of topics on this show, and you know it. We can't always be perfect, but when we find out that something is mistaken, we'll be happy to correct the record. So there you go. Two milligrams per centimeter square, not two grams per centimeter square. And there's nothing pedantic about that at all. Yeah. Well, let's cover some of this week's beauty industry news. So I was browsing cosmopolitan.com. And <laughs> they, they still publish? Yeah, I used to read the magazine and line out the checkout store when I was in high school and just laugh at all the sexual articles. Yeah. I, I, you never actually bought the thing, right? <laughs> no, I think I have. Yeah. Uh, but oh, okay. my, my friends and I used to get it and we would just laugh at all the sexual stuff in it because we were immature high schoolers. But uh, they did have an article that got posted entitled How to Get Rid of a Hickey. Seven easy hacks <laughs> that actually work. And I was just laughing wow. through this because A, I'm I'm extremely past my my hickey stage. I actually don't think I ever had one, but I I feel like I'm beyond those years. Uh and just some of the, the tips were interesting. Well, it, so a hickey is what like a I I'm not terribly familiar with like the medical piece but is it like a coagulation of blood at the surface of your skin or yeah something? basically you're providing uh suction on the skin with your mouth and right. you're suctioning blood uh, up to the surface through broken cap- capillaries and stuff like that so okay. yeah so it's it a comes s- up from the dermis up through and then break a capillary and a little yeah exactly like. it's it's like a bruise so gotcha uh there were seven tips and i actually only really agreed with two of them so i'll let the audience <laughs> wow. uh, take a guess which those are so the first one was reduce the swelling with a cold spoon great tip coldness actually reduces swelling much like when you have a sports injury and you want to prevent swelling and your immune response from proceeding to that area and creating more swelling. So if you do this immediately after the hickey, it's a great tip. So make sure uh, when you're making out with your boyfriend uh, that you keep a cold spoon in your purse. What kind of boyfriend has like uh, industrial sized suction? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I've always you're wondered get... how some of those hickeys were made that I've seen. It's swelling. Maybe well, some okay. people bruise easily. I don't know. Uh, the second tip, speed up the healing process with aloe vera. I looked up some studies because I was surprised that aloe vera could be part of healing bruises. I know that there are some studies granted with mixed results showing that aloe vera can assist healing of wounds from burns, uh, but indeed no studies exist showing that aloe vera helps get rid of bruises. Third, I think you guess that I think I've seen aloe vera can do everything. <laughs> it can balance your checkbook for you. <laughs> that'd be that'd be nice. Third, <laughs> soothe your skin with the banana peel. The recommendation behind 
I know, it's absurd. The recommendation behind this was that bananas are loaded with vitamins and antioxidants, so it has to be a good thing to rub the inside of a banana peel on your skin. Which makes you wonder why you don't eat the peel. But <laughs> if it's so loaded... I be mean... careful, all those pesticides on the peel. Don't, don't use oh, the right. exterior. The fourth tip was that's promote right. circulation with a warm compress. Now, this is actually helpful, but it's only helpful once the bruise has stopped forming. So when you have a bruise, you want to put cold on it. And then once the bruise is, I guess, call it set up, you can put a warm compress on it to help uh, spread out the initial breathing and dissipate any clots that have formed. I actually also confirmed this on some sports medicine websites, making out as a sport. I'm just kidding. They didn't cover that, but just (laughs) sports medicine. Fifth tip, apply a vitamin C cream. Vitamin C does nothing for bruises, and the article did actually say don't expect a miracle, so ignore tip number five. I'm surprised it didn't say, like, put an orange on the side of your neck or something. (laughs) Squeeze orange juice on. Shower in orange juice. Uh, Tip number six, eat vitamin K-rich foods like kale, broccoli, and spinach. The article says that vitamin K helps the body absorb clots of pooled blood. That's not actually how vitamin K works with the blood clotting system. Uh, Vitamin K does aid in clotting, but not to dissipate uh, hickey clots. You'd probably (laughs) be better than eating vitamin K uh, to use a topical vitamin K cream at the site of the bruising, uh, since the body does not readily store lots of vitamin K. So presumably from your diet, vitamin K is a fat-soluble vitamin. You'd have to take it with fatty foods anyway. And the body just doesn't store a lot. It actually recycles a lot of it. So Instead of eating vitamin K-rich foods, which are good for you anyway, you should eat them, uh, to get rid of the hickey, I personally would recommend a vitamin K cream if that worked. And lastly... You know, you know that, that, that does spark an idea in my mind of a new product. You can call it Hickey Away. <laughs> and then marketing brings out the cane and reels you in off stage. <laughs> that's actually that's actually a good one. Uh, tip number seven, promote blood circulation with a toothbrush. So this method is actually when the hickey is formed and you're like, oh, shoot, what do I do? Um, they recommend to take a toothbrush, massage the bruise, and that forces the clots to break up and allows the blood to dispel. Ah, yeah. All right. Well, and there, uh, there weren't any tips on how to cover hickeys up. So I, I don't really think you can heal them. This was a funny article. Um, but you're probably best just to do the old fashioned thing and wear a turtleneck or put some foundation on it. You know, I'm, I try to give my wife a hickey all the time and she never likes that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think people want them. Maybe they do. I don't know. <laughs> probably not. You know what people also don't want? Products that tell you that they're anti-aging when they're really not. <laughs> so pretty much every anti-aging product. Yeah. That brings me to the story that caught my interest. It was a story about whether... Anti-aging products are going to become illegal. Wow, illegal like like a criminal offense? Well, yeah, like they can't sell them on the market anymore. It turns out that there's right now uh, in your fine state of California, actually it's been moved out to uh, the federal level on the uh, District 9 or whatever, but that incorporates California. So there, there are a couple of lawsuits making their way through the courts that could have a big impact on the cosmetic industry. L'Oreal is being sued by a plaintiff who says that their Revitalift product makes unlawful drug claims. And Beiersdorf, they've actually been under a a case for uh, about five years now against their Nivea Skin Firming Hydration Body Lotion. 
the lawsuits are trying to get a ruling on whether these companies uh, are allowed to make claims like skin firming and anti-wrinkle because the products are marketed as cosmetics. Well, they're not wrong. <laughs> right. Well, as far as the way that the law is written, uh, yeah, it seems like they're not wrong. Now, right now, what's going on with the cases is that the, the companies are trying to get them dismissed because on the grounds that the plaintiffs don't really have standing. Uh, this is something that the FDA is supposed to be doing. And they note that the FDA hasn't done anything to stop the companies from making these claims. And so the companies just figure, well, if the FDA is not stopping us, then we're able to do this. So these plaintiffs are trying to uh, force the FDA to do something or force the courts to say for the FDA to do something. Well, the FDA really shouldn't be stepping in there. Their FDA's responsibility is to make sure that products are safe on the market. This is really related to L'Oreal and Beiersdorf and other companies, nearly every company, they're claiming their products do something that they're not doing. And I really think that's an advertising or um, or FTC type violation, right? Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. It, the FDA comes in because the suggestion of what they're claiming about the products would make the products drugs. Oh, correct. And in right. that case... In that case, that would make it an FDA thing. Um, but I think the FTC could be involved as well, right? Right. On the claim side, the FTC would get involved there too. Now, incidentally, there is a way for companies to get drug products like these on the market. There's a thing called the NDA process. That's called a new drug application. Uh, it's just that companies don't want to do it because it's costly and it's time-consuming. And uh, so... If, if a company doesn't have to do an NDA, they would much rather sell something as a cosmetic. And I think the new drug application process might also involve clinical trials, potentially animal testing, right? Oh, yeah, Not great for cosmetics. all of that stuff. That's, that's, that's why they don't do it. So we'll see where this goes. I mean, this, this case could, you know, if it, if it rules on the side of the plaintiffs, this would make it where companies like L'Oreal and Nivea and other, you know, everyone else who makes anti-aging claims, they won't be able to make those claims anymore. I suppose it wouldn't affect the products that much because right now the products are much more claims and, and they really couch their claims by saying it changes the appearance of wrinkles or anti-aging and they keep the claims vague. Uh, whereas this this company's trying to say if if they make more specific claims, uh, then the, the then the products are illegal. Well, I for one am all about transparency and not misleading the consumer. I do work for a large corporation by day, and I'm in R and D. And just by that fact alone, um, I'm supposed to have some conflict with marketing. Because generally, marketing wants to say as many things as possible. And us scientists, you know, if the product doesn't do it, we don't want to say it. We're typically very literal people. And uh, I'm really glad to see regulation like this come into place. But I think instead of the companies being forced to do it, they should just on their own say, you know what, we're not going to say the product does something it doesn't do. But I don't sell products, so... Um, I guess that's probably not a good marketing tactic, but wow, really mind-blowing. Yeah, we'll see where that one goes. All right, let's move on to our audio questions. Hi, Beauty Brains. This is Sarah. I'm calling you from Mauritius at present, but I live in the UK and I'm also an Australian citizen. I'm calling you about a quintessential Australian product, 
uh, Lucas's pawpaw ointment. Uh, it's kind of seems to have taken the rest of the world by storm now, but it's long been held, you know, in Australia as one of these ingredients that you just put on anything. It's almost like that, that home remedy where you just ask your mom, what should I do? And you put, uh, you put Lucas's pawpaw ointment on it. You put it on dry skin or cuts or any, anything you can really think of that involves your skin. Um, and I'm, when you actually look at the ingredients, to me, it seems that it's mainly just a petroleum jelly product, some petroleum jelly and beeswax. And I can't really tell being, not being a chemist, whether or not the pawpaw is at, you know, significant levels and whether or not there is any research to back up that pawpaw has some sort of special uh, power above and beyond perhaps petroleum jelly. So I'd be really curious to hear a chemist's take on Lucas's pawpaw ointment, since it does seem to be uh, a beauty trend that's spreading. Uh, Thanks. Love your show. Bye. Thank you so much for that, Sarah. Uh, so I looked into this product a bit more, and uh, the Lucas's pawpaw ointment does appear pretty much to be a glorified version of Vaseline, which means that it's mostly petroleum jelly, or better known as petrolatum. Um, it really bugs me that, you know, I was looking at this, and it I saw a bunch of articles that were critical of this product, and they were writing about it, and they kept saying that the product had petroleum in it. And I'm like, this product does not have petroleum in it. Petroleum is not the same thing as petrolatum. There are no cosmetic products out there that use petroleum because it's not a thing you put on your body. Oh, let me just add the secret ingredient, jet fuel, into my cosmetics. <laughs> the product that the ingredient is called petrolatum. It is not petroleum. Petrolatum is a perfectly safe ingredient that is used in many topical medicines and cosmetics. In fact, uh, petrolatum is uh, one of these approved drugs for, uh, I, f- I forget what the uh, drug it is approved for. It's a topical, you know, part of wound healing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, you know, if a more professional uh, podcaster would l- have looked that up before the show, but <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just don't. Anyway, petrolatum is a perfectly safe ingredient, and in fact, it is actually the gold standard when it comes to preventing transepidermal water loss. And so when I see this blog post saying petrolatum is bad for your skin, I mean, it's it's just not, people. That's this, that's complete, completely wrong and made up. Can I make a cosmetic chemist confession? Sure, sure. When I traveled last week, I came back to California and my lips were so dry because it was so dry and windy here and from traveling and blah, blah, blah. I could not find any of my chapsticks or lip balms or whatever, not a single one. And for two days, I was extremely desperate and I thought I have to get something on my lips. So we kind of got a raw material sample in of some... (laughs) Petrolatum, Snow White, uh, USP, and it was a brand new sample, stuff. not one that I dipped sure. out of, and I took it and just applied it 100% to my lips <laughs> all day. <laughs> I felt so bad, but I was so desperate. Well, as, you, as you've discovered, it works. I mean, it's not the nicest feeling on your lips, and that's why we have formulators to make things like that feel better, but the stuff works. <laughs> Well, I looked at the composition of this product, and the company makes this claim uh, that it's 39 milligrams per gram of this fermented pawpaw. And pawpaw is uh, the way New Zealanders call uh, papaya extract, I think. Oh, it's not their grandpa? No, no, not their grandpa. <laughs> extract of Grandpa Lucas. No, it's, it's not that. 
So uh, what, what people have taken that to mean, though, they said there's 39 milligrams per gram of this fermented stuff. So they take that to mean that's 4% of the product is fermented pawpaw, while 96% is petrol atom. Now, I have no reason to think that that's not true. I mean, that, that seems reasonable to me. So therefore, essentially, this product is, you know, petrol atom with, that's spiked with this, this uh, pawpaw extract, which whether it has any benefits or not is not really proven. I, I actually looked through the available research, um, and I wasn't able to find any special benefit that or impressive benefits that topical pawpaw would have. Uh, I did find that uh, it was helpful with treating tapeworms, though. So if you, oh. But that is ingesting it, though. So yeah, I'm, I was going to say, sure. where do you have to apply yeah. it to get that benefit? <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's ingesting. So, <laughs> uh, so I'm not sure that's that's not going to be very helpful on your skin. But um, there was that. Um, I will also caution that I did find some evidence that pawpaw ferment can cause irritation or allergic reactions. And so this is one of the problems that, especially you have papaya extracts uh, and natural ingredients in general. Uh, you know, we evolved next to plants, and plants evolved ingredients that could harm us. <laughs> I mean, some of them, are, of course, are, are good for us, but they also can harm us. And so it's not surprising when you find reactions to natural extracts like that. Now, as far as this product goes, I'm sure this is a perfectly fine product. It's it's quaint. It's been around for a long time. It's got a nice story. I'm sure people's grandparents recommend it because it does provide benefits. I mean, that's all coming from the petrol atom. But, you know, there's the whole mystique that goes around with the historical product and the, the cutesy packaging that they have. And, you know, the fermenting process that they talk about adds to the allure because there's this mysterious process that they do. But I'd say from a functional standpoint, you're probably not going to get any benefit that you wouldn't just get over using petroleum jelly or, as I like to call, petrolatum. <laughs> you just aren't going to get the, the nice story that goes along with it. And so if you like the story and all the packaging that goes along with it, yeah, you know, maybe you'd like to use the product. Yeah, well, I think part, part of it's mind over matter in using any product and maybe they're employing lots of people by harvesting this pawpaw extract. I don't know. But yeah, if you feel good using a product and you feel like it works and you're okay spending the money, keep using it and don't worry about the details of how it works. Yeah, absolutely. And if you do wonder about the details, we'll tell you it probably doesn't work any better than petrolatum. But I, actually, I did want to point out one other thing on this. This, uh, this company also makes these claims on their website about their product. They, they had this one paragraph that says, our product does not contain polyplacidone, polyvinylpyrrolidone, talc, shellac, palm oil, glycerin, or sodium lauryl sulfate. It's too bad that the company has to resort to that sort of nonsense claims like you're not for a topical product. You're not going to put sodium lauryl sulfate on it. I mean, it's just not a topical ingredient, uh, and it's just sort of like chemical fear mongering. They say, "Oh, people don't like talc." Okay, talc is never going to be in the product anyway. Let's just say we don't have it in there. I'm like, you know, they don't. They also don't say that there's no uranium in it. So, do we have to worry about uranium <laughs> being in there? I don't. I, don't know. I actually like, came across a, a hair care company in the U.S. that has, uh, I, I think it's called No Nothing, and they do a lot of no blank claims in the product. So, yeah, uh, someone handed it to me, and they were like, "How can they get away with saying all this stuff?" And it's like no sulfates, no parabens, 
no grandparents, no bad <laughs> hair days, no annoying coworkers. I'm not, I'm not making it up. It's all just really, really wow. bizarre stuff on my, on the packaging. Yeah. And I'm thinking, did you read this closely? Because it's just all garbage. So 